this is Coretta. Welcome to Sister Love. In today's episode, I have two great friends with me. Um, I have Jasmine um, from USC, my cohort. So as some of you all know, I am studying organizational leadership and change. And we're actually from the same hometown. Imagine my face when I realized somebody else in this world was from little old Columbus, Georgia. It's not that little, but anyway, context. Um, and I won't tell you right now where she lives, but when I tell you it's super amazing and I have location envy every time we're online for class, I promise that's a thing. And then I also have Takesha Cricket Jones with us today. Um, she is one of my friends from Indianapolis. We worked together for a time, about two years there, um, co collaborated on a lot of different projects. Um, she works um, under wellness and health. And then I'll let her tell you a little bit more about that. Um, and she's originally from the South as well. So you've got a trio of great Southerners who have taken great leaps of faith and made leaps and bounds to navigate our journey from our original places of where we grew up to where we want to be right now. And that's tonight's topic. We want to really showcase and reflect on what parts of our journey led us to leave the places that at some point we called home and recreated homes in different places around the globe and what that concept of home means to us and what makes the journey so sweet of where we're at right now. So without further ado, I'm turning it over to Takesha to announce herself first and then Jasmine right after. Takesha, take it away. To you. Yeah, so thank you for having me, Coretta. I am Jasmine. I am from Columbus, Georgia, which is low, low Georgia, but it's not that small overall. Um, so I'm the oldest of seven kids. Um, my parents, both born in Alabama, um, and I have five sisters. Um, so growing up, I grew up on a, in a farm, but in a very large and lovely home. Um, when I turned 18, I just knew I needed to, you know, move along, so... Here I am, fast forward 14 years later, active duty Air Force, working in intelligence, getting a doctoral, loving it, um, and living in lovely Oahu, Hawaii. Thank you, thank you, thank you, Jasmine. And I did not realize you came from a great family, so see, learning something new. Takesha just joined us again, so Takesha, we're just introducing ourselves. If you'll tell everybody a little bit about yourself. Hello, everyone. I am Takesha Cricket-Jones, and I'll go by Cricket today. I am an author, speaker, coach, creative artist, and my background is in public health education, spending some time in the government and higher education and community health. And I'm grateful to be here today. Thanks for having me. Oh, I'm looking forward to it. I'm excited. Again, I promise you all this is not false hype. These are two wonderful very accomplished. And when I say accomplished, I don't mean stereotypical, like, oh, that means they have a great job. Yes, they both have great jobs, but they really have done a lot um, in their time of, from their beginning years of, and I'm about to ask these questions, when they pondered what they want to do when they were young little ladies growing up to now, um, I, I feel very special to know these two young ladies. So again, um, thinking about what I just said, and either one of you can jump in, when you were growing up, when you were doing your thing as a youngster, I'm talking about playground days, what did you want to be when you, when you decided you were going to grow up and take over the world? Like, what was that one thing you wanted to do? 
So I guess I'll answer because um, it came to me readily. I want to be a nine to five woman working in Atlanta in her own condo. Oh. And I just want to be a businesswoman. I want to be an entrepreneur. Um, and I was going to be wearing like, you know, shoulder pads, like nine to five dollar party <laughs> style. And I was going to like go in straight glass ceiling. Like seriously, that has been me since day one. And as you will learn, it has continued to be who I am. So that was me. I'm going to be be business woman. Listen, it's not official till you got the shoulder pads. And see, that's how I can tell y'all she's from my hometown. Listen, I tell people really quick, Atlanta is cool. This is not a shade moment. But until you know people who come from Columbus, Georgia, not Ohio, not Mississippi, not nowhere else, it is not official. People in Columbus, we carry ourselves like we rock stars. Like we were born rock stars. So just... If you meet one of us, you'll know. Because, like, our demeanor, like, how we guess, all that. But, yes, come on, shoulder pads. Come on, shoulder pads. Like, I'm visual. That's so real to me. So, okay. All right. I see you, Jasper. I see you. Okay. <laughs> um, so, well, to I'm keep... The opposite. I was ready to grow up and take those shoulder pads out of my clothes. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I say I always thought I'd be a nurse. Oh, wow. I always thought I'd be a nurse. I was fascinated whenever I saw someone with a stethoscope. And I was like, hmm, what's that? Learned, searched, did, did everything. And I was like, that's how I'm going to be. And it became a doctor because I realized that I could do that too. Then it was like a surgeon. And then it was like a gastrointestinal um, professional. It was always in a healthcare field, though. Always. But it wasn't like, I had that in front of me as a as a black woman to say, this is what I can do. It's just what I knew that I was going to do. And Takisha, you brought up a good point. And I appreciate you, you know, giving the context. When you mentioned representation, how has representation impacted both of you in your trajectory to make your dreams come true? Where did you find representation? Um, was it readily available to you? Was it in your community? Was it in media? Was it in arts? Um, was it in, you know, looking at your field? We got business and women, we got, you know, healthcare um, that we're talking about tonight. How did you all find something that helped you hang on to your dreams? Well, it wasn't a good question. <laughs> it wasn't and when I grew up, it was definitely was not represented um, in in the sense that I grew up in a very rural environment. But my mom was very, very conscious of that. And so we spent a ton of time in the library, spent a ton of time as children in, um, like, black girl-only, like, um, developmental groups. So, like, that AKA were a big part of that mm -hmm. um, in my development and that representation. Um, there are a ton of programs to develop young women into, um, you know, professionals in my church. Um, my mom, while we didn't have the means, she used every free resource to give us that experience. So that was how I learned. It definitely wasn't through TV because um, we didn't have TV mm -hmm. growing up. Um, and then when we did, we had like, you know, the basic channels. Right. Um, and. And then, you know, I got older, I realized that I did not want to work for someone else. And so, like, I just really carried that whole entrepreneurial mindset to be my own boss. So that was me. I just knew what I did not want to do. 
So, indeed. Now I can carry out, yeah. Uh huh. I knew I, was, I could not stay in a brick and mortar every day, nine to five. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I would say it wasn't what I saw was something that represented, it was more so what I didn't see. Mm-hmm. And I could do it. I don't know where it came from. It's something innate within me. But if you tell me no, I'm going to do it. If it's something that I want. You you both bring up something that, I mean, I appreciate from my own journey. Um, I think everything about my journey has been non-traditional and non-linear. I always envied people who they knew they wanted to be a doctor, so they had their path lined up. And for the most part, it lined up um, if that was their true passion. I resonate with the wanting the freedom part. And that's something that I'm always stretching um, to take it with me every leg of my own journey of making sure that I still have options and that I still have room to be Coretta. Um, Because there are some moments in my own journey where I couldn't be the authentic Coretta that I wanted to be, but wasn't oppressive. But it's one of those looking at me, you wouldn't know that I prefer to not wear a suit or dress up because I look great in those. That's nice. But I don't want to wear one every single day that I have to show up into work. And so I appreciate both of you talking about that entrepreneurial or that freedom to be who you needed to be. Um, So how did y'all, so you talked about the influences and you talked about your dreams and you talked about your non-negotiables, whether you were intending on doing that or not. How did you start building that path towards here's what I want to do now I'm going to start charting my course like how did that part happen for the two of you I'll definitely say for me that whenever I I switched school I switched high school now one school was in a part of town where they made sure you had the best books Mm -hmm. you had the best teachers and if I had stayed there that journey would have looked a lot different then because we moved the school that we were at, they didn't care. You already know what kind of school I was at. They didn't really care who we were. weren't given all of the um, children of color, the books, and, and everything that everyone else had within the county. So we just got whatever we could from the teacher. Mm-hmm. And so when we were learning about things and they were teaching us, and that's when I realized I could be a doctor, I just said, okay, well, let me do my research myself. Let me look out there. And I went on to college, and unfortunately, there was some health issues that I encountered. And instead of going home without anything, I said, I have to finish with something. And so I ended up in health education. It was not the direction I was planning on taking, but it's actually been a blessing. And me still being able to provide health care to those around me in the community. And then it just happened to work out that all of my talents that were already there, the giftings and the callings and, and meeting with people, sponsoring you to be in different places, everything just worked together. And the universe aligned so that I could be where I am. So it was more so taking my own personal energy to do things and also whenever a door opened to make sure that I was walking in. One of my favorite quotes is, opportunities of a lifetime must be seized in the lifetime of an opportunity. Mm. That's powerful. Yeah, it is. Yeah, it is. 
So Jasmine, how did you start to lay the foundation of your journey? Um, so for me, I think the seeds were already planted without me even knowing. Mm-hmm. Um, my mom just sowed into me so much. Um, and initially, growing up, you know, I didn't see the entrepreneurs. I didn't see that specifically in from black women. Um, however, in high school, my mom set out on her own path. And she became a daycare owner. And then my aunt opened up her daycare. And I just saw the fruits of their labor. And then they opened up community outreach centers, community closets. And I was like, okay, I want to be my own boss. I want to be an entrepreneur. My mom and my aunt, my family has limited resources, yet they're able to do it. So clearly there's nothing I can't, like, not do. Like, if I want it, I can have it. Um, so with that, it was just as simple as me Um Again, my path has never has not been linear. I'm still actually Air Force, even though I have my own businesses on the side. Mm-hmm. But that being able to have that facilitated much of what I'm able to do now with um, with little to no stress. So it was more so about me um, one networking appropriately and being in the right circles for fortuity. There was a lot of um, times in which I was talking or just in certain circles, and you know people give me a double take when they hear me talking about regenerative um, farming and or my, you know, my radical ideas when it comes to educating the youth, um, my emphasis on the trade, my emphasis on agriculture and things of that sort. So that makes people, you know, more interested in supporting and learning more about how that can really um, propel the next generation of our youth. So I just grab hold and I just dug in deep and I've been given all I have to it and I'm just blessed to be able to have the wherewithal to continue to persevere, you know, alongside serving, you know, the country as well as getting my doctoral degree. So I just work. <laughs> so and it's working out. I can I can attest to that. Um as as your um fellow classmate I am one of those people when Jasmine speaks. Um, it's not the stereotype that we hear as Black women and as Black people about, oh, you're articulate. I hear her passion. Just like when Takesha speaks, I hear Takesha's passion as well. And that's something that for me, like I will always do a double take when I can hear people's passion towards whatever they're talking about. And it for me, it kind of gives me a dose or a visual of, wow, there's another person out here in the world that kind of looks like me that is out here bridging the gap and making life better for somebody else. Um, So kudos to the both of you. Not that you need my kudos, but do want to send those kudos. Thank you. I appreciate it. Oh, you're welcome. (laughs) Of course, you're welcome. Give people your flowers when you can. Um, That's something I I live by. So you both do phenomenal work. So definitely want to give you your flowers. Thinking about the path, I know that both of you um, made it through college. Um, You made it through your respective high schools. Um, You overcome probably whatever odds that you had to face that are unique to your journey. But I want to talk about the leap part. Neither one of you no longer resides in the South. What were some of the conversations you had to have with yourself 
for whatever part of your journey took you out of your, your, your region of origin, what was that conversation like with yourself? And what were some of the things you had to learn new or prepare to be able to venture far farther away from your region? I'm just interested in, in to hear some of the ways and some of the things you all had to do for yourselves to make that leap. So I know at least for me, you know, you know a lot more of my story than most. Um, you know, I was bussed out of my neighborhood to go to school, and I was where I was the 1%. Um, so there was a, a culture shock when I got to that school. Um, and on top of that, I'm a huge bookworm. So, like, my imagination, the things I was learning in school, and then having to bust all the way back to my my environment, I definitely was um, in this constant, like, um, battle with myself, like, do I stay and, you know, go to school locally, et cetera, et cetera, save my parents' money, or do I go out there and seek out the things I know to be and to continue to get that enrichment through culture and through learning and through, you know, travel. Um, for me, I just knew it wasn't an option to stay. Like, I just had this this rumble, this yearning inside of me that was like, you got to go. There's a bigger purpose for you. If you stay, you'll be cycling yourself. Um, so... I, I planned well before senior year of high school. I was already um, I was already signed up to join the Air Force. My junior year of high school was when I turned 17, so oh, I wow. knew I was going. Like, I just knew Georgia was not the ending. It was the beginning for me. Right. Um, and just, there was just so much more of a hunger um, and so much more that I wanted to do, so I just knew I had to get out. i never forget Georgia. Georgia's, you know, where they raised this excellence in me, um, but... I just couldn't stay at that time. It couldn't be another statistic. Right. Um, the options are relatively small, as you know. So, and Atlanta can't be the end all be all for everyone. So, that part. <laughs> <I> love- <laughs> we love Atlanta, but yes, it's, it's, it's overcrowded. Right. Minimums. Right. <laughs> now, for me, I went to school in North Carolina and I went back to my community to pay it forward. That was always my goal. I say I'm a child of the community. I was a community um, person because they poured into me and I wanted to go back and pay that um, to the to the youth that I could. But let's be clear, I was always going to leave. Okay. And, that, <laughs> and with the intent of being global, and I'm still working on that during however that happens, right. that, that will happen. But for me, I was working at the local health department and I was actively searching for places out of state. I prepped my mom, let her know, hey, go ahead and get what you need. I'm not going to be here long. And I guess she was thinking like, okay, you know, but I did my best to leave my imprint there in the school with my family as I pack my bags, sometimes I will literally just start packing boxes and I, and I walk up to my house and I say, Lord, I don't know when or how, but I'm leaving here and thank you for the journey. And I, and I would just pack and I'd pack and I'd pack. And one day, one job just finally came through and I knew that that was the one that I needed to take. Wow. Come on, preparation. But you know what, Takesha, what you're doing, what you talk, well, what you manifested in that story, 
my mom always used to say things like that. She still does. Um, she always talks about if you believe in something, you should physically do something that to connect to what it is you say you believe. And I think that's why I'm over here smiling. You can't see me, but I'm over here smiling at the idea of you pre-packing because you knew what was ahead. I've done that. I've packed up some offices before it was time to get out of the office, but it was one of those uh, yes, I'm not going to be here this much longer, so let me start taking this stuff down. Let me get uncomfortable and start stripping things down or packing things around a home or um, giving things away, like, you know, to your local community um, places, um, things that may be redundant or I have an abundance of or I don't have a use for anymore. So that re resonates with me. So thank you for that manifestation piece. Um that has been super huge. Have there been any hurdles that the two of you had to navigate being farther away from your original core? Oh, absolutely. Um, so I was extremely young when I left, you know. Um, my first instance of leaving was going into the military, which they assume that you're self-sufficient. Um, I went with no money. I had no one I can call to ask for money if something went wrong. So that was always um, lingering in the back of my mind. So I immediately got a second job when I joined the military. Um, and breaking free or in, in that, in my struggle was the fact that I grew up in a very religious household. Um, so even as an adult, especially early on, um, the, the thoughts and the the things that my parents instilled in me like literally um, enveloped me sometimes, and I had a hard time um, stepping into my authority and my power as an adult mm -hmm. because I always wanted to say, "Oh, is my dad gonna be okay with that? Oh, what would my mom say if I told her? You know, et cetera, et cetera." So for me, like becoming comfortable with being who I am, who I know I am, and you know, being having that freedom was it was freeing but very much so in a, a prison all at the same time um the, the decision making so it took me quite some time to deal with that obstacle of um making decisions on my own making decisions um that are not in alignment with my parents beliefs mm. um but are my own and being standing in that and being okay with them not being happy with it um, so yeah, that was a huge struggle for me for a very long time. That and my finances, because I didn't grow up learning about finances. Um, so I just worked twice as hard, but I didn't have enough know-how. So I was, you know, one of those spending frivolously or spending too much on a car and things of that sort. So quite a few struggles, um, early on in adulthood. Ooh, I definitely understand that. I really appreciate you talking about that self-authorship, coming into your own voice, deciding for you what's real for you. That is, I mean, I'm 41 and I'm still navigating pieces of those. Um, those of us, and I'm not picking on myself, but those of us who are below the Mason-Dixon line, I know some people cringe at saying that, but it is below the Mason-Dixon line. That Bible Belt and that like the deep South mannerisms, that doesn't magically go away because you are no longer in the deep south um that does take some time for you to not that we want to throw it away but navigate who who am i yes this is a part of my program who am i with it so i definitely appreciate you sharing that 
Um, Takesha, what are some of your thoughts? I think back and look at the, the cycle of you're not good enough. Mm. Because even though I pushed forward and pushed forward, there was a time that I got tired because I kept receiving those. And in North Carolina, I, people hear me say this all the time, in my profession, people had to die out or retire out. And I couldn't wait. Mm. And so I had to just go and go and go despite how many no's I received. And then finally, like I said, this particular door opened. And for me to come into a new place in the Midwest, the, the second struggle for me became the connection with my family and friends. I was okay with leaving. It, it, it doesn't bother me, but I guess at that time, some people weren't really ready to let me go and didn't really expect me to go. Mm. It would not connect too much. And I'm, I'm a, a friend, family-oriented kind of person. Once you got me, you got me for life unless you decide to step out um, or I realize your exploration has come. But um, it was just at a point where I was trying to reach out and grow here but still reach back home. And, and there was a disconnect, and that was hard for me because I was trying to continue who I was as a person, the growth that I had just began to do, but it, it, it wouldn't work here. So I just had to find a new soil and, and replant. That is, ooh, that part of that journey, figuring out how to surrender and release and let things stand up that are going to stand up and then the things that are going to fall away, let it fall away. That is tough. And every leg of your journey, it gets a little bit more interesting. So definitely understand and resonate um, to Keisha with learning how to live in the place that you're currently at instead of having one foot where you just came from and one foot where you are currently residing. That is an identity shift. So definitely a huge point. As we start to wrap this conversation, I'm thinking you all have given us so many gems, but I really am thinking for, you know, thinking about the people who may be wrestling with wherever they are now. COVID-19 has brought a lot of reflection and a lot of pondering for a great many of us across the globe about the decisions you've made in the past, the decisions that have gotten you to today and what do they mean? And where do you go once you connect the dots on some of the meaning? And so you've told us some of your dreams, you've highlighted some of the resources and representation um, that you clung to, to help you realize your dreams as well as some of the triumphs and um, some of the roadblocks that came with it. What advice would the two of you give anybody who is thinking about changing something in their journey and it's going to require a great leap? I would say that preparation is always the key. You can't prepare for everything, but you can still have a plan A, B, and C. Um, I would also tell people never allow imposter syndrome to creep in and delay or deny you of what you know to be true. You know what your purpose is. Keep your pulse on that and you work to get towards that. And so the last thing I would tell anyone to do is to be radical in your innovation and whatever it is you choose to do, but always be methodical um, so that you're not out there just going on a wish and prayer. 
but you actually have something um, that you can really give your all into um, that not only serves the purpose internally for your motivations, but for other than the consumers you wish to uh, provide a service or product to. Some very wise words, some very wise words. I was running through my memory banks as you were throwing those points out, Jasmine. <laughs> Trust. Um, Takesha. Jump. Jump. There's a, a clip that Steve Harvey did. You got to jump to be successful. Mm-hmm. And when I was making the final move for transition, I watched that video and any nerves that had just creeped up, that helped me to, to see it. It talks about your parachute. It's a parachute concept. Eventually, it will open up and you'll soar. You're going to hit a few things. But if you don't move, you'll never go. You'll never go. And along the way, as you realize that you have some things that you just need to set aside that's in front of you or that's a barrier, just release it. Just release it as you can. And if you can't at that moment, do what you can and just go. That's it. Um, do it afraid, do it bold, and like Jasmine said, do it with a plan. But ultimately, Keisha, you hit uh, Takesha, you hit it. You gotta go. If it's in your heart, you gotta go. Cause it's gonna come back around. And at some point, you're gonna have to answer that call. So with that, um, I wanna say thank you to you both um uh, for joining us, for giving us some context to how you made your leaps and where you are today. And thank you, everybody, for tuning in today. So, again, this is Sister Love.